Book Three, Chapter Nine of Under the Witch's Moon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Under the Witch's Moon by Nathan Galazier. Book Three, Chapter Nine The Net of the Fowler. The appearance of Basil, who had emerged from the kiosk, and regarded Theodora with a look in his pale, passion-distorted features, that seemed to light up recesses in his own heart and soul which he himself had never fathomed, caused the woman to turn, but she looked at the man with an almost unknowing stare. Notwithstanding a self-control which she rarely lost, she had not found herself. The incredible had happened. When she seemed absolutely sure of the man, he had denied her. Her ruse had been her undoing, for Helene's presence had been neither accidental nor had Helene herself brought it about. The messenger who had summoned Tristan had skilfully absolved both commissions. He was to have brought the woman to the tryst, that she might with her own eyes witness her rival's triumph. In her flight she had vanquished Theodora. Stealthily as a snake moves in the grass, Basil came nearer and nearer. When he had reached Theodora's side, he took the white hand and raised it, unresisting, to his lips. His eyes sought those of the woman, but a moment or two elapsed ere she seemed even to note his presence. He bent low. There was love, passion, adoration in his eyes. And there was more. Theodora had overacted her part. He had seen the fire in her eyes, and he knew. It was more than the determination to make Tristan pliable to her desires in the great hour when she was to enter Castel San Angelo as mistress of Rome. He saw the abyss that yawned at his own feet, and in that moment two resolves had shaped themselves in Basil's mind, shadowy, but gaining definite shape with each passing moment. And while his fevered lips touched Theodora's hand, all the evil passions in his nature leaped into his brain. Suddenly Theodora, glancing down at him, as if she for the first time noted his presence, spoke. Acknowledge, my lord, that I have attained my ends, for, had it not been for the appearance of that woman, I should have conquered, I conquered beyond a doubt. But when she looked at him she hardly recognized in him the man she knew, so terribly had rage and jealousy distorted his countenance. How can I gainsay that you have conquered, fairest Theodora, he said, when I heard the soft accents of your endearments, and your panting breath, as you drowned his soul in fiery kisses. "'Tis but another poor fool swallowed up in the unsatisfied whirlpool of your desires, another victim marked for the holocaust that is to be. But why did the Lady Theodora cry out, and bring the tender love-scene to a close, all unfinished? By pale Hecate I had almost forgot the woman. Why did I permit her to go without strangling her on the spot?' she cried. The growing anger which the man's speech had aroused brought to white heat in the reminder. The honour of being strangled by the fair hands of Lady Theodora may be great, sneered Basil, yet I question if the Lady Helene would submit without a struggle even, even to so fair an opponent. Why do you taunt me? Theodora flashed. Why? he cried. Because I witnessed another reaping the fruit of the deeds I have sown, another stealing from me the love of the woman I have possessed, one, too, held in silken bondage by another's wife. Rather would I plunge this knife into my own heart and— Theodora's bosom heaved convulsively. "'Put up your dagger, my lord,' she said, with a wave of her hand, "'for ere long it shall drink its fill. Strange it is that I, the like of whose beauty, as they tell me, is not on earth, should be conquered by a woman from the north, that the fires of the south should be quenched by northern ice.' 
I could almost wish that matters had run differently between her and myself, for she is brave, else had she not faced me as she did. "'What else can you look for, Lady Theodora, from one sprung from such a race?' replied the man sullenly. "'I tell you, Lady Theodora, if you do not ward yourself against her, she will vanquish you utterly, body and soul. The future shall decide between us. I am still Theodora, and it will go hard with you if you interpret my will according to your own desires. I foresee that we shall have need of all our resources when the hour tolls that shall see Theodora set upon the throne that is her own, and then let deeds speak, not words. Since when have you found occasion to doubt the sureness of my blade, Lady Theodora? answered Basil, a dark look in his furtive eyes. "'Peace, my lord,' interposed Theodora. "'Why do you raise up the ghost of that which has been between us? Bury the past, for the last throw that is in the hands of destiny ends the game which has been played round this city of Rome these many weary days.' "'And had you, Theodora, of a truth won over this Tristan,' came the dark reply, "'so that one hour's delight in your arms would have caused him to forget the world about him.' What of me who has given you the love, the devotion of a slave?" At the words Theodora flung wide her shimmering arms, and cried, "'I tell you, my lord, that as I hold you and every man captive on whom my charms have fallen, so shall I hold in chains the soul of this Tristan, even though he resist to the last.' "'Full well do I know the potency of your spell,' answered Basil, with lowering eyes, and I doubt me if such is the case. Nevertheless, I warn you, Lady Theodora, not to place too great a share of this desperate venture on the shoulders of one you have never proved." A contemptuous smile curved Theodora's lips as she rose from her seat. With a single sweep her draperies fell from her like mist from a snow-clad peak, and for the space of a moment there was silence, broken only by Basil's panting breath. At last Theodora spoke. Man's honour is so much chaff for the burning, when the darts of love pierce his brain. With beauty's weapons I have fought before, and once again the victory shall be mine." There was an ominous light in Basil's eyes. "'Beware, lest the victory be not purchased with the blood of one whom your fickleness has chosen to sit in the empty seat of the discarded. At the bidding of a mad passion you have been defeated.' A flood of words surged irresistibly to Basil's lips, but at the sight of Theodora's set face the words froze in the utterance. But when the woman stared into space, her face showing no sign that she had even heard his speech, he continued, "'And when you are stretched out on a bed of torment, and call for death to ease your pain, let the bitterest pang be that, had you enlisted my blade, and cherished the devotion I bore you, this night's work would have set the seal of victory on our perilous venture." "'Blinded I have been,' said Theodora, a strange light leaping to her eyes, to all the devotion which now I begin to fathom more clearly. Answer me, then, my lord. Is it only to slake the pangs of mad jealousy that you taunt me with words which no man has dared to speak, and live?" The sheen of a drawn dagger flashed above his head. Basil faced the death that lurked in Theodora's uplifted arm, and he replied in an unmoved voice, "'Lady Theodora, if you harbour one single doubt in your mind of him who has worked your will on those you consigned to their doom, and laid their proud heads low in the dust of the grave, let your blade descend and quit me according to what I have deserved. Nay, Lady Theodora,' he continued, 
as her white arm still hovered tense above him, it is quite evident your love I never had, your trust I have lost. Therefore send my soul to the dim realms of the underworld, for I have no longer any desire for life." He was gazing up at her with eyes full of passionate devotion, when of a sudden the blade dropped from her grasp, tinkling on the stone beneath, and burying her face in her hands, Theodora burst into an agony of tears that shook her form with piteous sobbing. "'By all the saints, dear lady, weep not,' Basil pleaded, placing gentle hands upon her shoulders. "'Rather let your dagger do its work, and drink my blood, than that grief should thus undo you.' "'Truly had some evil spirit entered into me,' she spoke at length in broken accents, "'else I had not so madly suspected one whose devotion to me has never wavered. Can you forgive me, my lord, most trusted and doubted of my friends?' With a fierce outcry the man cast himself at her feet, and bending low kissed her hands, while in tones hoarse with passion he stammered, "'Let me then prove my love, Lady Theodora, most beautiful of all women on earth. Set the task. Show me how to win back that which I have lost. Let me become your utter slave.' And so saying, he swept the unresisting woman into his grasp, and as her body lay motionless against his breast, the sight of her lips so close to his own sent the hot blood hurtling through his fevered brain. Theodora shuddered in his embrace. He kissed her again and again, and her wet lips roused in him all the demoniacal passions of his nature. "'Speak,' he stammered, "'what must I do to prove to you the love which is in my heart, the passion that burns my soul to crisp, as the fires of hell the souls of the damned?' Theodora's eyes were closed, as if she hesitated to speak the words that her lips had framed. He, Tristan, had brought her to this pass. He had denied, insulted her. He had made a mock of her in the eyes of this man, who was kneeling at her feet, bond-slave of his passions. By his side no task would have seemed too great of accomplishment, and whatever the fruits of her plotting, he was to have shared them. How she hated him, and how she hated that woman who had come between them! As for him whose stammering words of love tumbled from his drunken lips, Theodora could have driven her poniard through his heart without wincing in the act. "'If you love me, then, as you say,' she whispered at last, "'revenge me on him who has put this slight upon me.' A baleful light shone in Basil's eyes. "'He dies this very night.' She raised her hands with a shudder. "'No, no, not a quick death. He would die as another changes his garment, with a smile. No, not a quick death. Let him live. But wish he were dead a thousand times. Strike him through his honour. Strike him through the woman he loves." For a pace Basil was silent. Could Theodora have read his thoughts at this moment the weapon would not have dropped from her nerveless grasp. "'Ah!' he said, and a film seemed to pass over his eyes in the utterance. "'There is nothing that shall be left undone.' through his honour, through the woman he loves. She utterly abandoned herself to him now, suffering his endearments and kisses, like a thing of stone, and thereby rousing his passions to their highest pitch. She could have strangled him like a poisonous reptile that defiled her body, but after having suffered his embrace for a time she suddenly shook herself free of him. "'My lord, what of our plans? How much longer must I wait ere the clarions announce to Rome that the Emperor's tomb harbours a new mistress. What of Alberic? What of Hassan Abdullah, the Saracen? 
Basil was regarding her with a mixture of savage passion, doubt, incredulity, and something like fear. "'The death-hounds are on Alberic's scent,' he said at last, with an effort to steady his voice and hold in leash his feelings, which threatened to master him, as his eyes devoured the woman's beauty. "'Hassan Abdullah is even now in Rome. Can we rely upon him and his Saracens when the hour tolls that shall see Theodora mistress of Rome?' Weighing a sack of gold against the infidel's treachery, it is safe to predict that the scales will tip in favour of the bribe, so it be large enough. Be lavish with him, and if his heart be set on other matters—she paused, regarding the man with an inscrutable look. Shrewd as he was, he caught not its meaning. Why not entrust to his care the Lady Helene? The devilish suggestion seemed to find not as enthusiastic a reception as she had anticipated. "'After having seen the Lady Theodora,' Basil said, his eyes avoiding those of the woman, "'I fear the Lady Helene will appear poor in Hassan Abdullah's eyes.' Theodora had grown pensive. "'I do not think so. To me she seemed like a snow-capped volcano. All ice without, all fire within.' Perchance I should bow to your better judgment, my lord, and perchance to Hassan Abdullah's, whose good taste in preferring the Lady Theodora cannot be gainsaid. But our guests are becoming impatient. Take me to the palace." Basil barred the woman's way. "'And when you have reached the summit of your desire, will you remember certain nuptials consummated in a certain chamber in the Emperor's tomb, between two placed as we are and mated as we? Theodora's lips curved in one of those rare smiles which brought him to whom she gave it to her feet, her abject slave. "'I shall remember, my lord,' she said, and linking her arm in his, they strode towards the palace. End of Book Three, Chapter Nine